Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. So if you were not here with us last week, we mentioned that we were supposed to have a mental health and that was going to um, consist of us having a Q&A with uh, a therapist that actually attends our church. And, uh, but she got sick and she is great now, um, feeling great. Uh, and so we're going to do that today. Last week, Pastor Nestor had a message on mental health. If you missed that out, uh, I highly suggest that you go online, go on YouTube, go on Facebook and check that out. It was very helpful, very insightful um, for all of us. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Angel Juarez. I'm one of the pastors here at Dayspring Church. Pastor Nestor got sick. So that's why he's not with us. Uh, Manolo told us this morning that uh, he pushed them too hard. Um, so if you're listening, Pastor, I mean, uh, Manolo's just really good. So <clears throat> uh, can I, can I, I, I'm still coming out of here like a lot. Can, can I lower that? Can we lower that, please? Okay, perfect. Can you guys hear me well? So we decided to talk about mental health last week and today. Uh, because we believe that God cares about your mental health. He cares about your physical health. He cares about your, your relational health. But he also cares about our mental health. And I don't know about you, but in many cultures, at least in mine, uh, mental health has never really been like a big thing, right? Like I, I remember telling one of my parents, I don't know who, I'm sorry, mom or dad, but I remember bringing it up and, and she kind of just, you know, like just snap out of it. You know, you're fine. Uh, and that's prevalent in so many of our, of our cultures. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that God cares about our mental health and he wants to provide help for us. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, and you, if you have an outline, if you don't have an outline or a bulletin, you can raise your hand and our awesome ushers will come around and give that to you. But it, um, it'll help you out. Keep, uh, follow us along or write down any notes that you may have. But First Thessalonians 5.23 says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Amen. Uh, I want to now call up Melissa Perez up to join us. If we could give her an amazing round of applause. It is no easy thing to be up here, let alone talk about a topic like this. Uh, but before we start, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we, we ask that uh, the questions, the, the confusions, the trauma that we've experienced and that has resulted in who we are and how we feel and the decisions that we've made about our lives, Lord, we ask that your peace may permeate this room, may permeate us, Lord. We ask that you may not only bring us answers, Lord, but bring us clarity, bring us healing, Father. Let this conversation be guided by your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
May this service, may our purpose, may our meaning be guided by your purpose, Lord. We love you and thank you. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. So, Melissa, can you uh, introduce yourself? Give us a little intro of who you are, what you do. Yeah. Hi, church. Uh, My name is Melissa Perez. Uh, Like Angel said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been working in the mental health field uh, for over 10 years, but as a therapist since 2014. And during that time, I've learned a lot about mental health, right? And so that's what I'm here to talk about today. Just from a practical perspective, uh, what can we do to support our mental health? What is mental health? And why are we talking about it in church? Um, So as Angel said, there's an outline uh, in your bulletin. So we have a couple of definitions that I want to go over with you just so that we can all be on the same page about what I'm talking about, um, and so that we can uh, all just understand when we get to the question and answer portion, uh, what some of the terms that I'm using are. So uh, I know that Pastor Nestor spoke on this last week, and he did such a great job from um, speaking on it from a biblical and spiritual perspective. Uh, and we actually use the same definition of mental health. So there on your outline, your first point is mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Uh, so when you think about it in those terms, Uh, Mental health impacts how we think, how we act, and how we feel. It can impact how we make decisions, how we relate to others, how we handle stress. Uh, And so in those terms, it really has the power to impact like every aspect of our lives. That's why it's so important that we know about it, that we talk about it, that we're aware about what mental health is. Um, You can think about mental health kind of like a spectrum. So we all have mental health, right? Just we all fall on different points of that spectrum. Sometimes we're feeling really emotionally and mentally healthy, um, and other times not so much. There's different things that can impact that, and that's um, our next points. Many factors can contribute to mental health challenges, including the first one being life experiences. Uh, There's so many life experiences that can really impact our mental health. I'm just going to talk about a couple of them really briefly. Uh, A big one is trauma. So trauma is a circumstance or a set of circumstances that can uh, uh, make us fear for our emotional or physical safety. So if you experience a traumatic event, that has a really high correlation with mental health challenges. Um, Other things like uh, the death of a loved one or going through a divorce, uh, two huge losses that can really impact somebody's mental health. Uh, but also other, almost everyday challenges can, can count as life experiences that impact our mental health. So having financial difficulties, uh, that's a big one that really impacts mental health sometimes. Or even having really stressful family dynamics or stressful family relationships, that can also impact mental health. So life experiences, a huge thing that impacts mental health. Uh, the second thing is biological factors. I think that there's... Uh, I'm sure we'll get to it too, but a lot of people have questions about how does biology or how does our physical state impact our mental health? Um, And that's actually one of the big ways that that mental health is impacted, right? I think that when we think of biology, one of the first things that comes to mind that impacts mental health is maybe the use of substances. Um, That really is a huge impact, has a really huge impact on mental health. Um, Or, you know, if you're somehow exposed to some sort of toxin, that really affects your body, but it also affects your brain. And when it affects your brain, that's where your mental health and your mental processes come from. So that, that's one of the things. And then, you know, uh, medication 
that can also be something that affects mental health. I don't know how many of you have seen, have watched TV, and when you see a commercial for a medication, when it's listing the side effects, it like almost always says, uh, may cause anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts, right? And that's because uh, our biology really has a lot to do with our mental health. And then the last thing that can impact our mental health is a family history of mental health challenges. Um, so there's, you know, a lot smarter people than me that do a lot of research in this area. They study genetics and they study neuroscience, they study the brain. Uh, and while there's still a lot to, of research to be done in that area, uh, the thing that everybody really uh, agrees on is that genetics play some sort of role in mental health. So that means if you have a parent, a uh, grandparent who has had mental health challenges, there's a higher probability that you will also have mental health challenges. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to for sure have them because there's a lot of other things that play into that, uh, but there is some sort of a role in that, right? So life experience, biological factors, and also family history of mental health challenges. Those are the three big things that play into our mental health. I also want to clarify what a mental illness is because sometimes uh, people use the terms mental health and men mental illness interchangeably, uh, and that's... That's not right. They don't mean the same thing, right? So let's talk about what is a mental illness. So a mental illness are diagnosed conditions that disrupts a person's thinking, feeling, mood, ability to relate to others, and or their daily functioning. Um, a term that might be used in place of the, word, of the phrase mental illness is mental health disorder. Those do mean the same thing. So if I talk about one or the other, I'm, I'm referring to the same thing. Um, mental illnesses... There's so many of them, right? There's some really common ones that we, I think, probably have all heard of, like anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, but the reality of, this, of, of the matter is that there's actually almost 300 diagnosable mental health disorders. So uh, mental health really looks different for everybody because mental illnesses look different for everybody, right? Somebody might be struggling with one mental health disorder or one mental illness and another person might be struggling with another. That doesn't mean that it's gonna look the same for everybody. And that's one of the major things to just keep in mind that everybody's, if, if somebody has a mental illness, it might not look exactly the same way as it does for someone else. And that shouldn't stop you from getting help, right? That's one of the big things. And I think that one of the big barriers to seeking treatment is when we compare ourselves to somebody else and we think we don't have it as bad as them or um, I'm handling it better. Uh, that might be so, but that shouldn't stop you from getting help if you need it, right? Um, everybody experiences things differently. Everybody can benefit from, from help in different ways. And so if you're struggling with a mental illness and it doesn't look exactly the same as somebody else's, that's okay. Ask for help if you need it. Um, and the last thing that I really wanted to, to mention is that uh, children, uh, adolescents, and adults can all experience mental health challenges. Sometimes we think that this is uh, a topic for adults only, but that's not true. Um, kids, little kids, can also experience mental health challenges because, you know, like the rest of us, they are all human. Um, they go through life transitions, they go through stresses, they have family dynamics, um, they interact with others at school and in other places, and that, that can affect them as well. Uh, the one thing to be aware of in this situation is that uh, children and teens, they don't ex their mental health doesn't look exactly the same as an adult's will because 
uh, they're at a different level of development and their brains are literally not completely formed yet. So um, their struggles are just gonna look different. Um, but if you, as a parent, see some change in your child, uh, you know them better than anybody else. So you're there to support them, um, open up conversations about these topics and um, offer them support as needed. Um, so those are the four things that I wanted to just clear up and uh, make sure that we're all on the same page uh, before we jump into our questions. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa. You're welcome. So the way that we're going to do this is we have a, a few questions that we came up with that we also pulled from our social media um, in, uh, our Instagram where we asked if you guys had any questions. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be making it available so that we can ask questions now. But if you do have, if any questions arise, please write them down. And um, we actually are going to have a mental health group on Tuesday starting this week, which you can bring your questions. Melissa will be joining us. Uh, and, and you can bring your questions. We could talk about it. Uh, and you can ask them there. And also a PSA, follow us on social media if you haven't yet, and if you don't have Instagram, I'm sorry, but we'll, we'll figure something out. So here's the first question for Melissa. Uh, is mental illness a physical event with, a spirit, with spiritual side effects, or is it a spiritual event with physical side effects? All right, so uh, before we start all these questions, uh, disclaimer, these are just general terms that I'm speaking in, right? Mental health is so unique to everybody that if you have a question about your specific circumstance, I would really encourage you to speak to a doctor, a mental health professional, or someone about your specific situation. But to answer that question, um, it could be one, it could be both, or it could be neither, right? The three things that I listed that can affect mental health are the biology, life experiences, and uh, family, family history of mental health. Um, disorders. So sometimes a life experience, maybe a spiritual situation can happen. And if you're already biologically prone to having a mental health disorder, that'll kind of like trigger it. Sometimes it could be the other way around too. Like you can be already having a mental health challenge um, and that affects things spiritually, right? Um, some examples that I can give for that is like when you're depressed, it could be really hard just to get out of bed, much less come to church, right? And so um, it's very, it's very hard to say. It could be one. It could be both. It could be either, um, but it depends. Great. What about uh, what is the relationship between uh, demon possession, oppression, and mental illness? Like, in other words, are mental illness caused by demon possessions? That's a great question, and I'm really glad that that somebody asked that. Um, a short answer to that is uh, no. A mental illness is not caused by a demon possession, right? I, I know that uh, Pastor Nestor spoke last week on um, specific, like, biblical stories, um, one in the, the Old Testament as well as one in the New Testament, um, where just people were, were like, literally self-harming. Um, it looked really scary. They called Jesus because they didn't know what to do. Um, but the reality of the fact, like I said, there's almost 300 different mental illnesses or mental health disorders, and situations like that one, um, are more rare, right? Mental illness doesn't always look like that. And in fact, actually, mental illness a lot of the time is really hard to, to see. Um, we get really good at hiding our symptoms. We get really good at not showing anybody what we're experiencing. 
so a lot of the times it can go undiagnosed and untreated um, because it usually doesn't look the way that uh, those specific stories in the Bible looked like. As far as like in a church setting, um, I feel like many of us have encountered situations where um, kind of the answer, what we go to immediately is like, oh, let's pray for them or, you know, let's, let's pray the demon out or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when do you think should be kind of the line or should be like, hey, uh, maybe we should uh, recommend them to seek professional help or, or is there a way to dis differentiate the two between, let's say, demon possession and mental illness? Yeah. So what, what I would say on that is that it's never a bad idea to pray for someone, right? Like, let's all pray for each other just in general. That's great. Uh, but also, I think that as soon as anything looks like mental health, you should talk to a professional. Um, I think that this is a huge stigma, honestly, that has created such a big barrier for people to get treatment and to get support. Because, you know, if you talk to someone and you think that they're going to think that you're like, you've got a demon, you're not going to tell anyone. And so that creates such a big barrier in people speaking out and talking about their experiences. And that's why a lot of people just um, go through these struggles and challenges alone because it's too scary to talk about it for fear of being, you know, labeled as like having a demon or something like that. I would, I would, I would even imagine like some people would, at least I would be apprehensive to tell someone like, hey, um, you should seek professional help or... Like, is there a way to say that where it doesn't come out offensive that you're just trying to help or, or is it always, does it always have to be that person themselves to realize it and seek help themselves, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I think that, um, sometimes people just really don't know that they need help. And so if you've got that close relationship with them where, you know, something's going on, you know, that they, they need some support, then speak up about it. It's better to speak up about it and offend them than for them not to get help. Because then really, really big, circum like negative circumstances can happen, right? Sometimes when we're talking about mental health, it can literally be a life or death situation. So it's better to speak up, to say something, you know, maybe they'll take it the, the wrong way. That's unfortunate, but obviously be tactful in how you say it. But um, it, it's better to speak out than just to not say, to say anything. This kind of ties into our next question, but how does prayer, uh, reading scripture, um like coming to church, fellowshipping, and worshiping help with our mental health? Yeah, it can help in a lot of different ways, right? Um, when we said mental health met, was uh, emotional, psychological, and social well-being, I think all of those things can play into that. Um, if it's something that you really value, especially having a connection with God, feels great. Uh, and if those things help you, then that's that's something to continue doing. And I would also say, though, on the flip side of that, um, and I think that's what you were referring to earlier, sometimes we can definitely, like, spiritualize mental health things, um, and you start to feel bad because you think that you're not praying enough, or you're not going to church enough, or you're not fellowshipping enough. Um, and what I would say to that is, you know, all those things are great things to do. Um, you know, I'm never going to tell you not to do them. Definitely do them. And also consider if you might need other forms of support. Maybe God wants you to... I don't know, go to therapy and process some things and, and think through, through some things. And in that way, you'll be able to help other people in the future. 
So that's I, I feel like there's also like a, a stigma that you need to be like rock bottom. You need to be at the point of of suicide to even consider mental health. And um, if you guys don't know, Melissa actually um, attends our life group occasionally, so we're really lucky to have her. Uh, but occasionally, I ask her questions. Um, but I usually like tell my wife and close friends and people like, "Hey, you know, go to go to therapy." Like you could feel like you're at a hundred percent but it can't hurt right like this do we need to be at like a full-on depression or can uh, other people also consider and how if someone is like okay how can therapy help them out yeah that's a really good question um i love therapy <laughs> right i think that it can help anyone um and you definitely don't need to have a mental illness or a mental health diagnosis to go to therapy there's other life circumstances like i was talking about right like Grief, we're all going to experience at some point in our lives. That's not a mental health diagnosis, but that's a really hard situation to be in. Uh, stress, we all have stress, and that's just part of life. Some, that's also not a mental health diagnosis, but sometimes you need, you need some help to manage that stress, right? And so I think that, like you said, the misconception is that you have to be at rock bottom, like really bad, can't handle it anymore to get help, but... Wouldn't it just be better not to get to that point? We're just putting ourselves in a situation of um, having to intervene when things get really hard rather than preventing all that pain and everything that goes along with it. That's so good. Uh, fourth, uh, should Christians see therapists who are not Christian? Or like, are they only supposed to see Christian therapists? Yeah, that's another good question. They asked really good questions. Uh, came from them. that you guys asked really good questions um so should christians see therapists that are not christian i mean the way that i would pose that question is you go to a doctor you go to a dentist you go to an optometrist do you know if they're christian a little car mechanic yeah yeah go to the grocery store you know all these people that i'm working with i don't know if they're christian right i think that the misconception um, there's a lot of misconceptions about therapy, right? I think that sometimes we think that the therapists are going to tell us what to do and that somehow that's going to like lead us away from, from God if the therapist isn't Christian. Um, but the reality of the situation that is that, you know, therapy is not just your therapist talking to you. Um, we have like a set of theories that we work off of, like therapy is a science. So we're not just talking or like telling you things out of nowhere, right? There's specific things that we do, um, specific theories that have been like evidence-based, um, researched and supported through that research that we follow. And you don't have to be a Christian to follow those theories. However, if you feel that what you're going through maybe is a spiritual, has some sort of spiritual um, background and you want to have somebody that understands you who has the same maybe values or just understanding of what you're going through, then it wouldn't be a bad idea to seek out a Christian therapist. Um, and also, if you're looking for biblical counseling, biblical counseling is di different than therapy. So um, you just have to be really aware of, I guess, what you're looking for from therapy and choose accordingly. But honestly, some of the best therapists that I know are not Christian. Can you kind of explain the difference between uh, biblical counseling and professional therapy? Because I feel like many of us, you know, we come to church and we go to pastor um, and pastors just, you know, he, that's what he is. He's a pastor. Um, and we almost expect 
therapy or or problem solving from him, um, like in our marriage or our depression and, and stuff. But can you kind of uh, talk about what are the differences and when we should seek one uh, from the other? Yeah. So um, in short, biblical counseling. I mean, it, I, I feel like it's it's almost in the name, right? Is using the Bible um, to counsel you to help you make decisions um, and steps in your life. Therapy, on the other hand, uh, is talking to somebody and their job is to help you build insight, to help you build knowledge and skills to learn how to make those decisions for yourself or, or take certain steps for yourself. Your therapist isn't really going to tell you what to do, you know, unless it's a, a really like kind of a, a life or death situation. If somebody, you know, is at risk, uh, Safety-wise, then your therapist is going to step in and, you know, tell you what to do in those cases. But other than that, your therapist isn't going to tell you what to do. So, in other words, don't unload on pastor? Or <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, next question. Should Christians take medication for mental health illnesses? Yes. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but um, if your doctor prescribes it, then that would be a decision between you and your doctor. I think the question is almost asking, like, is it a sin to take, to take medication? Um, and again, I would ask, like, we take medication for everything else, right? Like, if I have a cold, uh, if I have a fever, if I have, you know, all these lists of uh, physical disorders or physical illnesses, it's almost not even a second thought that we're going to take medication. Um, and we kind of set mental health separate from, from that. But wh when you think about it, um, mental health has to do with your brain processes and your brain is literally a, an organ in your body. Sometimes your brain needs a little bit of help just the way that the other organs in our body need. So that's definitely um, a decision between you and your doctor. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's a sin to take medication. Yeah, we pop Advil's like there's no tomorrow. Right? <laughs> uh, what are some examples of... Um, this one's kind of like my question, but what are some examples of medications that uh, therapists or, or maybe psychologists prescribe for mental, mental health or mental illness? Yeah, so that would be um, a psychiatrist. So psychiatrists are, they're the doctors of the mental health field. Uh, your primary care doctor could also probably prescribe medication for, for this, these instances. But there's, you know, just like I said, a lot of different mental health disorders, there's a lot of different medications. Um, the thing to know about that is that, you know, every, every body, every person's body is different. Um, so it might take some trial and error to see what works for you. Um, I think that's sometimes why a lot of people give, give up really easily is because like the first one didn't work and you're done. Um, but just like with any other medication, right? Sometimes you need to, to try it out, see if it works. If it doesn't, talk to your doctor, let them know, and, and they'll guide you what the next steps are. But there's a lot of different medications. That's so true. I take like Tylenol, Terraflu, Advil, and nothing works. I will. Uh, this one's tough. How do you uh, help someone or help them heal with a mental health need or illness, but they don't want to be helped? Yeah, that's really tough. Um, I think in, those are the situations where you pray for them, right? You pray for them. We have to also, in those moments, acknowledge our own limits. Um, Sometimes that takes a lot of humility and it takes a lot of bravery to realize that you can only help somebody as much as they want to be helped. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane and they always tell you like in case of an emergency, if 
they drop down the, the oxygen masks you have to put on your oxygen mask before you help other people. And that's almost what the situation is, right? Know your own limits, um, help yourself, because trying to help somebody that doesn't want to be helped, that's really tough. That's a hard situation to be in. Uh, and sometimes the best thing, like I said, pray for them and model, model for them what it is to have good mental health. So seek your own support. Um, find your own help if you need it. And also just knowing your limits, not trying to take on too much. If they don't want to be helped, unfortunately, there's, there's not much else to do. I would imagine that the context of that question, you know, it's not necessarily like someone random, yeah. but it's like maybe a spouse or, or kids or parents. Um, and I feel like that makes it more tough like because you want to help them, right? Um, but that's good. Uh, what are some practical things that we can do to help our mental health? Sure. So um, first of all, make sure that your basic needs are being met. And I really like the, the story that Pastor Nestor referenced last week um, in, in, the Old Testament. in the Old Testament, the story of Elijah when he was so overwhelmed that he literally wanted to die. He couldn't take it anymore. And what God did for him in that moment was he sent him an angel to give him food, to give him water. He let him take a nap, and then he gave him more food and more water, and then he was good to go. I think it says there that from there on, he, that strength lasted him 40 days, right? But sometimes that's really what we need to do. Like, make sure you're eating enough. Make sure you're drinking enough water. Make sure you're sleeping enough. Like, our, our bodies are very fragile. They're very resilient, but they're very fragile. Um, and if we're not handling them or taking care of them correctly, then it's going to let you know. Um, make sure you're, take, you're getting rest, not just sleep. Rest, right? There's also a reason why one of the Ten Commandments is to take a Sabbath. Right? I think that's a, the commandment that we often overlook. We forget that the Bible says that we were supposed to take a Sabbath and we're supposed to be resting, but we're supposed to be resting for a reason. Um, make sure you're connected socially. Find people that love you and that you love and stay connected with them as much as possible. And uh, also do things that you love, right? Have fun and find hobbies and, and things that are fun. Uh, sometimes what's missing from our lives is just some fun and enjoying life. And those are things that, that can really help. Um, and almost like you said, Angel, earlier, like just don't wait till it's too late to get help. If you feel like you need help, look for it. Find it as soon as you start to feel that. Um, it's never too early to get help, but it can be too late sometimes. So it's, it's better to get it early on than, than too late. I feel like um, there are many of us who maybe do have a mental health issue or problem. And, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like the body lets us know or like it lets us know that we need help. And that pushes so many uh, people to like substances like either alcohol, pornography, drugs, um, to try to <clears throat> fill that, you know, either void or, or try to fix that mental illness, mental health. Um, what can you recommend for someone who's like deep into either an addiction or just like um, has messed it up so badly and maybe is kind of questioning like, oh, maybe there is something up here that I haven't dealt with. Um, what would you recommend them as far as the steps that they can take to, to maybe figure that out? That's a good question. Um, and yeah, you're totally right. You know, there's such a thing as chronic stress chronic fatigue where your body is just like so flooded with stress hormones that it, it's going to let you know either physically like you're going to start getting sick or through mental health symptoms 
And definitely people turn sometimes to substances um, as a way to self-medicate, right? You're looking for some way to alleviate those feelings or the symptoms that you're experiencing. And substances uh, are one of the, the ways that people do that. But uh, what I would say to someone um, in that situation is to get some help. I, I don't necessarily mean therapy, though I do recommend therapy. Um, there's other ways that you can get help, right? We're going to be having a, a support group on Tuesdays here, and it's going to be almost like it's not going to be therapy, but it's, it's a way to talk to other people about what you're going through. And um, sometimes just knowing that you're not alone in it makes such a huge difference. So look, look for help, whether that's a mental health gr support group, um, therapy, which looks really different for everybody, by the way. Um, you can be an individual therapy, group therapy. There's like specific forms of therapies based on what you might like, like art therapy, music therapy. Um, those are great ways also to, to get some help and um, to start dealing with, with those things um, that are causing, causing issues in your life. What can we do as a church, not only as a church body, but even uh, those of us in leadership and, and what we maybe preach on or provide for them? What can we as a church do um, to not only help those who have mental illnesses, but uh, maybe make us more aware or, or changing that culture to uh, a point where, um, hey, you shouldn't be scared to maybe approach someone or the pastor to seek for help? Like, what can we do as a church to start to implement steps like that? Yeah, I think on um, an individual level, talk about mental health. That's the best way. Um, I think for such a long time, especially in the church, there's been a stigma on mental health. And so we don't talk about it because it feels weird to talk about it sometimes. So talk about it, right? I think that Pastor Nestor last week shared that there's 50 million people in the U.S., that have a diagnosable mental health disorder. That doesn't even include the other mental health challenges that, that you can experience, but 50 million is a lot of people. I'm really bad with numbers, actually, so I went and Googled, like, how much is 50 million? Um, so 50 million is actually four times uh, the amount of people that live in L.A. County. That's how many people it is. That's a lot of people. Um, there's a statistic that says that one in five adults have a mental health disorder, that's also a lot of people, right? And these are things that we're not talking about, but the reality is that you probably know somebody that has a mental health disorder, or maybe you have one yourself, and that's okay, because you're not alone. Um, so just talking about it. And then to add on to that, I would say just for like leadership, as you all make decisions, um, be aware that there's probably people in the church that are struggling with, with mental health. And as you make decisions, as you you know plan the calendar, as you... Um, do different activities and whatnot. Also, also think about them, you know? How can we make this more accessible to them? How can we support them as, you know, they're trying to be part of the church? And, um, yeah, just not letting them feel alone in it because they're not. Why is it difficult for so many to admit or ask for help, like admit, hey, I have a problem? Like, is it cultural? Is it, you know, from my perspective, is it a like a macho thing, like, or a guy thing, like, what are those things that prevent us from seeking help? I think there's a lot of things. Um, definitely what you mentioned. I think um, there's definitely a cultural piece. Um, I think it also takes a lot of humility to admit that you need help. Um, it takes faith that 
to, to think that like, if I ask somebody for help, they're going to be able to help me. Um, it just feels really vulnerable to let somebody know what you're going through. Uh, because just, I think as a society, we have been primed to act like we can handle everything on our own. Independence is so valued. We think that asking for help is somehow going to make us dependent when it really isn't right. It, asking for help just makes us connected to other people. It doesn't mean that we're going to depend on them. Um, so thinking about it in those terms, I think that, yeah, independence is, it feels like asking for help is somehow like taking away our independence, but really, I don't think it is. Here's a good one. Why is therapy so expensive? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, uh, the way that I would answer that question is like as therapists, we're aware it's very expensive. Um, because we have to pay for our own therapy also. <laughs> it's really expensive, right? So um, therapy is healthcare, right? And when we think about healthcare, just healthcare in general is expensive. You go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, you go to the eye doctor, you go, I don't know, to the dermatologist. It's really expensive to do all of those things um, because you're paying not only for the treatment that you're getting in the moment, but also like the years of education that it took for your uh, the person you're working with uh, to get the right credentials and the right degrees and the right knowledge to help you in those situations. So if we think about it as healthcare, just healthcare in general is really expensive. Um, we just often forget that mental health care is healthcare. So Pastor kind of touched on this last week, but um, we, I wanted to get your perspective. Is um, I guess to start <laughs> with the basics is why should someone... Uh, seek therapy? Like what benefits does therapy have for an individual? You can have a lot of different benefits just depending on what your situation is. It's not going to look the same for any two people. Um, but if you're going through a struggle that you've been trying to manage on your own and you're not getting results, that's probably a good time to, to, to ask for help to get therapy or to participate in therapy. Um, it can look a lot of different ways, right? It can help you in your communication skills, in your social skills. It can help you in standing up for yourself. It can help you in um, improving relationships with those around you. Uh, it can help you if you do have a mental health disorder and you're experiencing specific symptoms. Those are things that you can work on with your therapist. Uh, it can look, it just looks really different for everybody. Um, and the goals that you will set in therapy are going to be really specific to you. And you're going to work with your therapist to like, figure out what your goals are in therapy. And that's what you're going to work towards. Is there such a thing as like um, a good therapist and a bad therapist? Kind of like barbers. Like, you know? <laughs> like they're bad barbers. They're good barbers. That doesn't mean we're going to stop getting a haircut. You know? like, so is that a thing? And, and if we so happen to get a therapist that maybe doesn't work out for us, um, do we like shop around? How do we do that? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't label therapists as good or bad, but I would say that I'm glad you asked this question because uh, that biggest predictor of whether or not therapy is going to be successful for you is if you have a good connection and a good relationship with your therapist. Um, so, you know, you might work with one therapist and think they're like the worst, but maybe another person thinks they're the best. Um, and that just might be because they click in a different way. So what I would say on that is, um, if you go to therapy and it doesn't work out for you, um, with that therapist, you're just not feeling it. 
talk to your therapist um, because they're going to be able to guide you on the next steps for that. You know, maybe they will suggest um, and provide you with referrals for somebody else that might be a better fit. Or maybe it was just, you know, some sort of issue that you guys can work out um, by just talking about it. So it can really depend on the specific situation. But just in general, like as a therapist, we all want you guys to do well and to succeed and to reach your goals. And if it's not working out with a specific therapist, talk to them about it. Will that work for my barber too? Like <laughs> if I tell him, hey, you're not doing a good job, can you recommend me somewhere else? Um, <laughs> What tips uh, or insights could you share, of, um, whether that be resources or insurances or anything like that, uh, for someone who is starting their process in looking for a therapist? Or how does some, like, do you go on Yelp or like, how do you find a therapist? Yeah, Google it. Um, that's a great place to start. I think that, um, you know, most, especially like private practice therapists have a website or some sort of like directory profile that you can find them there. Um, but what I would say is that we're so lucky to live in this city where there's a lot of therapists and there's a lot of therapists being trained. So there's a couple of ways that you would go about it. Um, first of all, use your insurance if you have it, right? Call them up and ask them like how they handle, uh, mental health, what your coverage is, like how much you would have to pay out of pocket, how much they're going to cover, um, and what the, their steps are for getting connected to a therapist. Um, I think a lot of the times people have that coverage and they're not using it. And that would really help with the cost of it. So that's one way to do it. Um, if you don't have a healthcare coverage, there's still a lot of options around us um, because um, there's a lot of schools around here, um, universities and other like higher education settings that are training therapists. And as part of that training, like they offer a lower fee. So if there's a college around you and you want therapy and you don't have healthcare coverage or you don't want to use your healthcare coverage, which is also fair, um, just call up the schools and see how they handle that. If they have a lower fee or um, if they offer maybe a discounted price for the therapists that are still in training. And a lot of times that's actually really good therapy, therapy because they're working directly with their professors. Um, so you're getting the benefit of having the professors like supervising them as well. Um, there's a lot of big churches in our area too. And a lot of the times churches have some sort of connection to, to therapists. So that's one way to, to look, look for a therapist as well, if, especially if you're looking for uh, faith-based therapy or you really want to incorporate your spirituality or your beliefs into it. Uh, check out the big churches, right? Sometimes they have these community resources that are just for the community in general. It doesn't have to be specific people going to their church. So use those as well. Um, and just really ask questions when you do connect with a therapist and you're wanting to see if, you know, they're the right fit for you, ask them all your questions. Um, see if you like, like how they answer them. Maybe you won't like exactly what they're saying, right. But at least how they relate to you. Um, and if they're not covered by your insurance, you can also ask them if they'll provide you with a receipt called a super bill. Um, a lot of times and it depends on your specific health coverage, healthcare coverage, but a lot of the times uh, your health insurance provider will reimburse you uh, for the cost that you paid out of pocket. So that's a really good way to, to save some money on that. Just ask your, pretty much ask your, your healthcare provider a lot of questions and how they handle the coverage. Do you have any books or websites that um, someone maybe who either wants to learn on the topic or maybe um, just kind of dive in a little bit more before going to therapy that you can recommend us? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, if you look on uh, your bulletin on the backside, there's a list of uh, four different resources um, that provides a lot of 
uh, different education and more information on this topic. Um, the first two, the National Alliance on Mental Illness and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services websites. Uh, those are some that provide a lot of information. And both of those actually do have um, free support groups also. So if you're dealing with a specific situation, maybe you're not ready to go to therapy, um, but you want to start off by going to, to a support group, those two are great um, places to start. They're not going to be faith-based, but um, it'll maybe just, you know, get you started down that path of seeking support for your, for your mental health. Um, I know that Pastor also recommended the book last week, Grace for the Afflicted. Um, that one definitely has a, a biblical or a spiritual um, component to it as well. And, you know, I think a lot of the times we think that, like, psychology and um, Christianity has to conflict. But when you really look at it, it doesn't at all. Like, it really goes really well together. That's a great resource to start reading um, if you're interested on this topic. Um, and if you're interested in, in reading about trauma and how that affects everything, honestly, um, there's this book called The Body Keeps the Score. It's really good. It's kind of big. Um, but if you get through it, it has a lot of great information and uh, it really makes sense. And I think it helps us to understand that we're not alone in this. And if somebody's been through trauma, um, there's reasons for why certain things are happening as a result of that. Do you have any um, last words that you'd like to share with someone maybe in the congregation who uh, is thinking about maybe trying therapy out or, or is going through a really tough t patch either in their marriage, their parenting, uh, their career, their own life? Um, are there any words that you'd like to uh, share with them? Yeah, in those situations, I would say that uh, you're not alone, that there's a lot of people out there who want to help you. Um, all you need to do is ask. Uh, but a lot of people are here to support you. A lot of people, you know, like me, who have literally dedicated their lives to do this kind of work um, because we know how valuable it is and we know how valuable you are and we want to be there to support you and help you to grow and, and get past this circumstance. Um, starting this process can definitely be scary. If you're feeling scared or nervous about it, you're not alone. I think most people are when they start off because uh, therapy is hard work, right? You're going to have to be vulnerable you're going to have to talk about things that maybe you've never talked about before. And there's probably a reason for that, right? You're probably trying to protect yourself emotionally. And so putting yourself in, in a situation where you might think about doing that can be scary. Um, but get, you know, work past that. Um, take that step. It, it's going to take a lot of bravery and, like I said, humility and faith. Um, but it can really help. So those are all our questions for today. Like we said at the beginning, if you have questions, please write them down. Please bring them Tuesday. Um, we talked very broadly, very general. It wasn't any specific, like maybe you're here like, I didn't talk about my specific situation. <laughs> well, I think that's where we're trying to push you to, to seek therapy or, or, or even start by coming Tuesdays. We do have a table outside with more resources um, available to you, uh, if you do want to approach Melissa after service, uh, she will send you the bill. So just heads up. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, Melissa, I just want to thank you so much for being open to to talk about this, to help us out. Uh, mental health and mental illness really 
I think still is not being talked about as much, especially in churches, um, just a culture and, and the way that many of us were brought up. Um, it was never that <laughs> important, but uh, thank you so much. And can we give an amazing round of applause for Melissa? Uh, let's, let's go ahead and pray before we <clears throat> end up. Lord, we... We're so grateful for professionals like Melissa who dedicate their lives to helping us out. Lord, we, we're, we, we come with a lot of baggage. We come with maybe a lot of bad experiences, trauma that has affected us, affected our lives, affected the way that we think, Lord. And maybe many of us have discounted our, ourselves and have just been okay with how we are and have maybe even justified our decisions. Lord, but may you begin to tug at our hearts, Lord. May you show us that we are not weird or different, Lord, but maybe we just need to seek help. Father, I want to ask you to show us that we're not alone, Father. Show us that you care about us. Show us that you love us and want the best for us, Lord. And if anyone is here and really has tried it all, has tried substances, Lord, has tried to do it on their own, Father, may you show them that maybe there are other resources, other ways that they can go about treating their their experiences and, and what they feel and what they think, Lord. I thank you for everyone here, Lord. If if anything was sparked in their hearts, in their minds, Lord, may you continue to give them peace, be there for them, Lord, guide them. And uh, Father, we, we ask for your blessing on all our families here, on everyone here, Lord. If anyone is sick, Father, may you uh, heal them. And if anyone's sick at home, Lord, may you also heal them and be with them. And we pray all these things in your great and mighty name. And everyone says... Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.